Daily Wisdom Words. Daily Wisdom Words. Daily Wisdom Words podcast, a writing-based podcast that takes you into the minds of writers. Yes, and we give you a whole lot of discussion. Let's get into it. Hello, welcome to another episode of Daily Wisdom Words. I am your co-host Rini O'Day. Hey everyone, I'm your co-host Neil Trevetti. And we want to give you a very warm, warm welcome to our latest episode. Join us every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time as we talk to guests who have stories, advice, and life hacks, all of which take us one step closer to the feeling of hope. Okay, Neil, I got you something. Ready? Ready. <laughs> oh, cool. this is a joke because i kept going like this because we kept having to take retakes because i kept messing up and i just go like this i saw that for like 3.99 on amazon so i bought it that's funny okay okay ready i was ready i'm ready like you know say who you are and then we'll just talk from there so okay sounds good Today's conversation yeah. is a lot. Oh, oh. wait. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, ready? Okay. Today's conversation yep. is a long, a long time, time coming. coming. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome author, motivational speaker, the founder of the very popular Rise Again movement, and someone I'm, I'm proud to call a very good friend, Megan Aronson. Hey, Mel- Hi, hey, Megan. Hi. Welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you. It is so wonderful. Yeah. Truly. I couldn't be more grateful. Well, I mean, your story is one of the most inspiring I've ever heard. And I can't wait until the audience hears it. Because people, there is always hope. And her name is Megan. Yeah. Right? Again. There's always hope. And this woman has... Guys, do you want to bark a little louder? Come on, let's just <laughs> bark a little louder. I got five. Anyway, <laughs> no, yeah, she is. She's a true inspiration. And let's get into it, Neil. Okay. Yeah. So I mentioned uh, in my intro the very popular Rise Again movement, which I'm so. I mean, I try to follow every hashtag when you when you put in every post. I try to follow it and make <laughs> sure that I'm up to date because it really is so motivating. But you know, looking at that and looking at your YouTube videos and your posts, and one could never guess that everything you've been through, because it's just the total opposite. There's such a radiance in you that one would never expect everything that you've been through. So can you give us a little bit of that background and what you all face and and how you basically got here? First of all, thank you for saying that, you know, it just, it makes everything I've been through worth it when I can come out the other side and just be a beacon of light in, in a lighthouse for, Hey, you know, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, you can come through it. Cause I have been through literally just about every challenge and tragedy imaginable. And um, it started back in 2003 when I met my husband and we fell in love under the red rocks of Sedona, Arizona. Uh, you know, it was classic first, first love at first sight. Okay, it's already starting. 
and um, we knew instantly that we were soulmates and we have both just had two really devastating losses in our lives and our love instantly gave us strength to overcome that grief and start building the life of our dreams and my husband is just an extraordinary human being. He is literally the most selfless, generous, kind person I've ever known. He lives to help other people. He's always anticipating others' needs. And, um, you know, we just, I felt so lucky the instant that I met him. But then uh, our fairy tale um, kind of switched pretty quickly. About two months after we met, he injured his back doing what he was always doing, which was helping other people, helping his grandma with a home repair. And he herniated three discs in his spine and had two more bulging. So, oh, poor yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. And he was in so much pain. We went to doctor after doctor. We tried every kind of therapy and acupuncture you could possibly imagine. But this was at the height of Purdue Pharma pushing these new miracle pills um, of Oxycontin and Vicodin and opiate painkillers. And they were sold to doctors, marketed to doctors as less than 1% of people get addicted. In truth, one in four people that try them will become addicted. Doesn't matter their race. Really? Class. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times you think about if you're in an accident and mm -hmm. before you've even woken up in the hospital, you're already addicted because they've ah, you without even your consent. Yeah. You really, you know, without even thinking about it. So, oh wow! Yeah, he. So that kind of began a slow descent into opioid addiction because he was a highly functioning addict. He was still the beautiful human being that he was, and a fantastic husband. And we got. I love the way you talk about him. Yeah, I, I'm pretty lucky. I feel like I've yeah. one of the greatest love stories ever, you know. Well, uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I told you I interrupted. I'm sorry. But it, you're just so engaging. Thank you. So um, we got married and we had our first baby and we bought a little fixer-upper in Sedona, back when you can afford to live there. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and um, then in 2009, the recession hit. And we lost everything. We our, mm -hmm. lost our home to foreclosure. We uh, lost my, I lost my job of five years as a television host. And then we lost a baby. And that was actually oh. just the beginning for us. We ended up over the next eight years losing 30 people in eight years. And for a while there, it felt like I just lived at funerals. And uh Every other month I was going to one, I learned more about end of life care and how to plan a funeral than I would ever have wanted to know. <laughs> but um, somewhere in all of that, I just decided the only way that I was going to make it through all that was if I put purpose to my pain. And so I decided I was just going to juice every one of these hard experiences for as much wisdom as I could find so that someday I could come out the other side and share it with other people. So um, I started meditating. That helped me a lot to find my inner peace and my inner voice. Um, but I couldn't face my husband's addiction for a long time because I was lost in grief. I had babies that were, you know, very demanding. And um, it was just, you know, denial is the coping mechanism that we all use to get through tough times like that. Denial is not a river in this, you know, I mean, it's, it's, 
it's a long river that we all have taken a trip down. Yeah. You know, and losing a baby, that is, I did too. So, yeah. So I, I had um, named myself the Grim Reaper girl for a while. Oh, oh God. But like death falling. I can't even through. imagine. And uh, I was very alone because no one wanted to be around the sad girl, you know? And oh. as I started meditating, and funny thing is, um, I decided to start meditating after I read Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert. I love that. I love that book like, and movie. how to meditate. <laughs> <laughs> she taught me. That over the next few years really started to teach me how to go through the pain. I started to, I started studying tons of personal development authors, spiritual authors. Thich Nhat Hanh, the Buddhist monk, loved his work, and um, that all of that together helped me to start coming out of the grief. And finally, after the birth of our third child, that was when I had built up enough strength in me and enough trusting myself again after all those years of mm-hmm. gaslighting being gaslit um, and, and being told everything I thought was true wasn't, I finally built up the strength to confront his addiction. I knew something had taken a dark turn all of a sudden and it was, it, it, it was starting to get dangerous and threaten his life after 10 years now. And I'd had all kinds of failed interventions with him and everything would always, he was, he was a timeshare salesman, okay? So oh. <laughs> on sobriety, even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I can imagine. He would tell me after every intervention that he was going to get better, and then slowly it mm-hmm. back to what it was. And then eventually, um, my son was my third child was about six months, six months, maybe eight months old, and um, all of a sudden. I started just kind of looking for clues. I just decided it was time to face it. I saw this thing on Facebook, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, mm-hmm. expecting a different result. And mm-hmm. then I was watching Oprah one morning uh, interview Maya Angelou. And Maya Angelou said, when people show you who they are, believe them. And I really- The most yeah. inspirational woman, that Maya Angelou. Right, and that was really the moment that I realized he's an addict and he's not going to change and I can't fix him. And if loving him is hurting me, then it's really not love at all. Oh, sweetie. So um, I, I, <laughs> I had this really difficult night where I sat up all night uh, at the foot of our bed and watched him breathe and not breathe and counted the seconds between his breaths. One, two, three, 50, 75 seconds between breaths. And I realized he was inches away from an overdose. And then every time that he would take a breath, it would be this huge gasp of an inhale, like the defibrillators had just been put to his chest and he'd just been brought back to life. How much, um, how much was he taking at this point? He was injecting a thousand milligrams of nitrogen a day. Wow. Liquid, liquefied. How? I don't even know. I, it, wow. Before I that, he had gone to have gallbladder surgery. And the nurse came out after the surgery and she looked at me and she said, we could have killed a large horse with what it took to put him under because that's how high his tolerance was oh my gosh he 
is alive and we mm-hmm. got out of this story is such a miracle. <laughs> such a miracle. It's, you're a miracle. You're a miracle. Because yeah. when you look up hope in the dictionary, your picture's there, girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you're counting his breathing. Yeah, and, um, you know, it was really strange because after 10 years, um, when you love someone with an addiction, you end up, in a way, going crazy, trying to control them, trying to save them. And in that moment, it was actually the moment that in 12-step programs, they say you drop the rope, you know, because as long as each of you are holding on to one side, it's a tug of war. And in that moment, it was like, all of a sudden, I just dropped the rope. And I was like, I can't fix this. All I can do now is what, what do I need? How do I take care of me? What do my kids need? And so I really wanted irrefutable proof of of what he was doing in the bathroom 18 times a day. And I went outside and stood on my patio at six o'clock in the morning in Christmas pajamas in July, no September. And um, I just looked up at the sky and I said, I need overwhelming evidence, please. I didn't even know who I was talking to, but I just was like- The universe. You know, ask for what you need. You don't get what you don't ask for. (laughs) And- And Neil, is that me? I tell Neil that all the time. I tell Neil that all the time. Go outside and tell the universe what you want. Exactly. You know? So it was crazy because after years of trying to figure out the truth in that instant, as soon as I said that, all of a sudden I got this vision in my mind of walk around the outside of the house, stand on a chair and look in the little shower rectangle window. Oh, perfect. And I was like, why had I never thought of that? So I ran around the side of the house, barefoot in my pajamas, stood on the chair really quick. And when I looked inside the window, what I saw was enough to know that I could not be married to him anymore. And that day I kicked him out and asked him to leave. My soulmate, the love of my life, you know, even though he was an addict, he never stopped being my soulmate. It was Mm -hmm. the most difficult day of my life. It's a disease. It's like cancer, but you know, they have choices. Yeah. And that day, you know, I, it took everything in me to ask him to leave. Um, And I was really afraid it was going to be a big knockdown drag out fight, but he ended up going very peacefully. It turned out the night before, before he went to bed, he had prayed to be delivered from this addiction. He wasn't even a man. And I think he was really ready, you know, and in a way, but then, um, you know, he, he got angry and he went to the ATM that night and took all of our money. And a few days later, he threatened to take our kids and kidnap them while he was high. So I had to go file a, an order of protection against him and sit in front of a judge and ask him to protect me from the love of my life. Oh, Meg. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but I became a single mom overnight to three kids under the age of five. And, um, but you know, what got me through was all those years that I had been bringing myself through the grief and the loss and studying personal development and meditating, I had taught myself to expect the worst, even in or expect mm-hmm. the best, even in the worst. And, um, you know, like it, times where you're just absolutely at rock bottom, I would let that 
make me dig even deeper inside and say, okay, you know what? I am going to push just as hard back at this with my belief that something better is going to come. Because if everything can change for the worse in an instant, everything can change for the better in an instant. And I'm living proof of that. So why not live your life to to be a miracle around every day? I'm I'm taking notes. Okay. (laughs) Keep going. I got it. You're going to write a book, girl. I'm telling you. (laughs) Yeah, you have a story. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. No, you're fine. So um, where was I at? We were talking about how. Okay, so you were in front of a judge. And you were kicking out your love of your life. And then, you know, I was I was determined to file for divorce because I was done at that point. And needed to take care of me and my kids now. And, um, you know, I was, I was standing in line at food banks for the first time in my life, looking around, like, how, how did we go from this happy middle-class family to this, you know, everyone thought we had the perfect happy family and what was hiding behind closed doors was a whole nother story, you know? And, um, I was filing protection orders, police reports, ransacking my house for drugs, making sure there was nothing in the house that the kids could find. And, to divorce him but 55 days later I met him in court he was contesting the order of protection so he could see his kids and I'd never wanted to keep them from him because we're, we were a very tight-knit family I was just trying to protect my kids and um, it had really killed them and me to keep them apart um, he had gone to rehab but for me that still wasn't even enough because there have been so many times that he said he was going to get sober and he didn't so I walked into court that day expecting a miracle again. I, I didn't want to lose the, the protection of the protection order, um, but I didn't want to keep it either because it was just, I wanted a happy medium. And when we walked in, our, our lawyers immediately recognized each other. And they were like, oh. And my lawyer's like, excuse me for a minute. So she goes over to talk to his lawyer and she comes back and she's like, you're not going to believe this. And I'm like, what? And she says, well, I, I went to law school with his lawyer. We're, we used to be friends and mm-hmm. we talked about it. <laughs> and we thought, well, and Mr. Aronson just wants to see his kids and he's willing to do anything that you ask to make you feel comfortable with that. So we decided let's come up with an agreement that we can put before the judge instead of the protection order and, and, that will protect you. He has to, you know, follow these stipulations, be drug tested, go to meetings, things like that. And I said, do you, do you think the judge is going to go for it? And they're like, we've never done anything like this before in our careers, but we think so. Cross our fingers. So we, a couple minutes later, I found myself sitting in front of my husband for the first time in 55 days. And uh, I could barely look at him. It took every ounce of strength that I had to just look up into his eyes again. And the moment that I did, I knew he was my sober soulmate again. Those crystalline light blue eyes I'd fallen in love with were clear again for the first time in 10 years. And something told me there were some miracles happening that I couldn't even begin to understand in that courtroom that day. I hated him, I loved him. The question was, did I ever forgive him? for everything that he'd done as an addict. And 
the judge came back in a few minutes later and with our agreement and he looked at me and he said, Megan, do you feel safe? And everything that had happened was just such a miracle. I felt like I was protected by something greater than myself. And Mm -hmm. I looked at him and said, yes, I feel safe. And he said, well, then I commend you and your lawyers. I've never witnessed anything like this in my career. And I don't often get to be in the, in the business of putting families back together. So thank you for letting me be part of this today. (laughs) That night, my husband got to see his kids again. (laughs) That day was the beginning of a series of miracles that happened in our lives. It was just the beginning. (laughs) You went from, we were going to ask you like, but wow, that's so powerful. What's, we were going to ask you, but I, I guess you brought it up yourself that what was that first glimmer of hope, that first sign? And I'm sorry, reading him. It's no, 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 what, please take it? it. Is that the first time in a long time that you felt maybe, just maybe, things might work out after all? Yeah, I mean, even at that point, I was still so angry at him, but. We started talking and he, I had been teaching him this language of nonviolent communication through our whole marriage, where it's basically just empathy versus sympathy. You reflect back to people what you're hearing them say and what they're mirroring. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And he came out so, uh, he came out of rehab so sober, so patient, so humble. He had no shame. He was just born a new person. And he felt so grateful and he was just incredibly patient and just let me take the time I needed as we started talking again. And we kind of went back through all that stuff that we had experienced and relived it with him having sober eyes this time, because it had been so isolating for me, for him to be numbed out over there as an addict while I was trying to face everything head on and, and deal with it on a conscious level, you know, and that really just brought us this healing that I could never have imagined. And I'll never forget the day I asked my husband on our second first date. (laughs) Oh, tell us about that. Yeah, please. Oh my God, please tell us about that. He would um, come over at night. I still hadn't let him come home. I still had a lot of rules in place. Sure, sure, yeah. He would come over just to make dinner and say in the book mm-hmm. it was all for the miracle of kissing you know and um one night I called him up and I said how about after dinner tonight we just go sit on the back patio and have a little date and we just sat under the moonlight on the back patio and it was like the second that we I allowed myself to fall into his arms again I knew that was my home and it always had been and you know, we, we went to a, a counselor one day because it was really a back and forth tug of war inside myself because I really was very traumatized by everything that had happened. And we went to this counselor one day and we kind of like, you know, came to her like she was a judge and we were each giving her our side of the story and like, what do we do? Where do we go from here? Can we make it? Can we overcome this? And she just looked at us and she said, your love is a tangible and powerful force to be recognized. <sighs> I can feel it in this room. And, 
And then she said, she gave us a few minutes to talk. And when I, when I looked at him and told him I was planning for divorce, he was like, that doesn't mean anything to me. I believe in what we have. And it just kind of melted me, Wow. you know, and slow. And then there just kind of came a day where I was just like, you know what? You can choose courage or you can choose comfort. Like Brene Brown says, and I have always been a person who prides myself on choosing courage. And it was, I can see that, you know, Mm -hmm. I think what really helped me forgive him was he sat me down one day and he said, Megan, the real me would never have done those terrible things to you. And Mm -hmm. I knew that was true. I knew who the real him was, you know? So Mm -hmm. I, I was able to separate out the addiction from the person. And I could say, I hate addiction. I hate what addiction mm-hmm. him do. I didn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? It's the monster. It's the monster. It is. It's a cunning and baffling it's, disease. Mm-hmm. 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 And he just had that genetic disposition for it. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they say that um, opioids are 100% more effective at treating emotional pain than physical. Oh, I believe that. So, you know, there's an epidemic in this country of, not really dealing with our problems and with our and not enough adequate mental health care that we can a lot of people self-medicate and a lot of people use it to numb the pain because they don't want to face it but the when you mm-hmm. when you give your pain the light of your attention there's an alchemy that happens and mm-hmm. on the other side of it you discover your strength and your beauty and your compassion and your wisdom mm-hmm. and your power you know oh my god you are amazing you really truly are one of the most amazing people I've ever talked to. I mean, you've taken me on a roller coaster and I love it. But yesterday I just happened to read that right now in America, the teenage population is in crisis because of stress. You know, so that's why you need to write your book so we can get it out there for those oh, kids. Get it published. She's written it. <clears throat> oh, get it published. Yeah. So, you know, you will be the next Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. I think that's a perfect segue. You mentioned earlier things like meditation and all that to, you know, kind of see the first signs of calming yourself down. And another thing is, as we were just talking about is writing, right? You, you wrote a book um, and that's uh, on its way to publication soon. So can you tell us how did you get into writing and when did you get into Were you a journalist? You were you a journalist? I've always been a writer my whole life, but um, it wasn't until I lost my job in the recession that, uh, you know, it was kind of like, you know, you can look at this blank space in your life as this big empty hole, or you can look at it as a at, look at it as a blank canvas to write on and create something new. And it's actually kind of freeing and empowering when you have nothing left to lose. <laughs> then you can kind of ask yourself, well, what do I really want to do? I might as well do what I really want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. Yeah. So it was um, after we my husband and I ended up reconciling and we renewed our vows. on the red And you had another baby, right? And we had another baby. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. We named her Kama because it means love. You you named him what? We named her Kama, K-A-M-A. Oh, Kama. Oh, it's a girl. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, so you have two girls, two boys? 
Oh, how cute. cute. Yep. Oh, and uh, the, after that, you know, it was like, okay, are we finally going to reach a clearing now? You know, mm-hmm. we have any more tragedy. But unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> but we haven't even gotten to the part of after Kama, what happened? Yeah. So I developed a postpartum, a life threatening postpartum uterine infection, almost died after I gave birth to her. And then I developed postpartum depression and anxiety. And I was diagnosed with complex PTSD. So, um, how did you get? Is it was the was the PTSD from what you went through with your husband or the traumatic birth? I had five, five separate PTSD diagnoses from all these different traumas, from oh the loss of my before we met, from all the losses we went through, you know. So, um, and then his addiction, etc. And it was, um, I don't know. I would say my daughter was about six months old, six, six months to a year. And I was pretty much just living in bed. I had babysitters raising my kids full time. And I was just laying there fighting back at the intrusive thoughts in my mind all the time, trying to tell me my, my family would be better off without me. And I realized, so glad that you're here, you you know, no, no one's coming to save you. And it's Mel Robbins that she says that. I, do, do you love her? Isn't she great? I, do, I love Mel Robbins. I do too. And it, you know, it can be a really hard thing to hear that. It, you're kind of like, well, you know, I want someone to come save me. But I know. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of do- DoorDash, I want someone besides the DoorDash guy. <laughs> but um, I've, I actually found it really empowering. And at all these different points, it was me that had to save myself. I had to be my own hero. I had to be my own best friend. I had to be my own therapist, you know, until I could go get to therapy, you know. And I just decided one day, I've got to do something with all of this. And so I picked up my computer. And first I went to Corey and I was like, my husband, and I, I said, Honey, what we just lived was such an extraordinary story. And so many of these recovery stories don't get a happy ending like we did. And so many of the marriages don't survive like ours did. Can I, I I have to tell this story. Are you okay with that? My husband being the extraordinary human he is was just like, go for it. Do it. (laughs) And I have to say writing the book, um, it's called 47 Chances. It really brought me out of all of that pain and trauma and gave me narcissus. Yeah, it gave me something. It gave me a way to make something beautiful out of all that, you know? Well, you are a beautiful soul, girl. Like, I mean, you are a beautiful soul. Thank you. So um, it was after I started writing that all of a sudden I developed a seizure disorder, you know, let's just throw that one in there. Just a, <laughs> sprinkle this here. <laughs> and I started having up to 20 seizures. Um, oh my. Yeah. Oh my. I went to Barrows three times. They couldn't figure, you know, got all the electrodes stuck up in my head. They couldn't figure out why I was having them. They just knew they were not epileptic. And uh, <sighs> It was years. never heard that. Yeah. So there are non-epileptic seizures. And wow. Eventually we yeah. found out it was a thing called neurocardiogram. You are a book. I mean, well, you've written a book, but I'm learning so much from you today. <laughs> so, um, How, yeah, what are these seizures? Say again? 
what are these seizures? How do they? Well, it's basically my brain and my heart kind of overreacting to each other and not. I see. Correctly. And That's me it, on a daily basis. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, I am such drama. It's like, that's, you know, but not to make light of it. Trust me. Oh, no, no. What you went through is. Wow. So um, the seizures were based basically because I had really low blood pressure. That was, that was. Mm, I see. Okay. After years of suffering. I ended up discovering this program called the Dynamic Neural Retraining System. It was our system, the Dynamic Neural Retraining System, DNRS. And it was founded by a woman named Annie Hopper and based on the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza in large part. And it's based on the principles of neuroplasticity that we can change our brain. Our brain. Yes. Yes. And I saw all these testimonials of people that had overcome a slew of different kinds of chronic illness from POTS to chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, um, just so many different things. Basically your limbic system gets stuck in fight or flight mode and it just kind of gets stuck in the rut, repeating the same things and overreacting to different things in your environment. So people get chemical sensitivities that can't be around any perfume or things like that. So um, I committed to six months of this program doing these exercises for an hour a day, every day where you're retraining your brain and you're kind of getting the old neural pathways to die and creating new ones. Wow. Vision of your future health. Oh my gosh. And I'm doing this. I'm doing this. (laughs) Doing it. I started getting off all my medications. I was on like, I was taking like 30 pills a day. And I went from laying in bed all day, every day with other people raising my kids to biking 15 miles into the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Right? We're moving to Sedona. Megan just became my best friend. <laughs> she's she's going she's gonna to get me on a bike. <laughs> oh, get insurance. <laughs> I've now been uh, about two years without any seizures anymore, and I would consider myself 90% recovered from the PTSD, depression, anxiety. Um, I did get therapy as well, and that helped a lot. Even Everybody I- needs therapy. Everyone needs yeah. therapy. Highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Highly exactly. Recommend 12-step programs, those were a big part, you know, 12 steps for families and um, mm-hmm. affected by addiction. That helped a lot as well. And um, now I just try to live a YOLO life. You know, you only live once. I think that we all have tragedy and challenges that come up in our lives. And if we can offset those by having these extraordinary moments that we create in our lives in bite-sized pieces, you know, you can make sitting at a bookstore with a cup of coffee, a YOLO moment any day. Absolutely. You know, like, okay. you have, like put a little jazz music on and I'm good. <laughs> You're going to make me cry again. You're going to make me cry again because you were such an amazing person. You're such an amazing person. I've never met anybody like you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, I put this in the email to you when, when you were going, trying to fix the time is when we started this podcast, you were 
the first person on my mind, but I was just like, <laughs> maybe we should get established first. Maybe we should, you know, have a few episodes. I was just like, mm-hmm. okay. yeah. So it was a constant thing of, should I, should I ask her now? No, wait, let me. I know. Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? Kept like, talking we're still about finding you. our footing and trying to find our direction. Yeah. So, but it's like, that's why I knew I, I had to have you on and like, yeah. And this is why. This is exactly why, because you have inspired me like no one I've ever met, you know, because I do suffer from fibromyalgia, you know, and I'm going to do that program. I'm going to get out of this, you know, pain. So everybody, Megan, I'm telling you, (laughs) you really are. You're an amazing woman. So how are the kids? The kids are fantastic, you know, they were young when all this happened, and mm-hmm. we, we are just like a really tight-knit family, like I said, and so we, we poured yeah. ourselves into them, and they bounced back very easily, and um, now I would, we, as they've gotten older, we have told them our story, they're very aware of it, mm-hmm. and we want them to live on the foundation of that miracle that we had in our lives. Um, you know, it's just, I think that that's why even through all, uh, even after all of that, I'm such a positive person because I just feel extraordinarily grateful for every day I'm given, for every moment that I'm given, you know, I almost lost my husband. My kids almost didn't have a father and I've lost a lot of people in this opioid epidemic and they weren't as lucky as we were. So every day to me is a miracle. Every day that I am not lying in my bed is a miracle. You know, every day that I get to be up and about and strong and healthy again is a miracle. And right now I'm actually recovering from long COVID and um Oh you I, had COVID? Yeah, I had COVID in August and um it's really What have you not been through, really? <laughs> I mean what, did the universe just like go over your house one day and say, uh, we'll just dump it all here? I know, right here. Boom. Oh my gosh. Today that I'm using DNRS to recover from long COVID now as well. And it's working. That's, oh. I got my taste wow. and my smell back because of it. I've, I've come out of that. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's amazing. amazing. I can't say enough about that program. I feel so grateful for it every single day. How did you find it? Um, a friend of mine had also been suffering from chronic illness and she tried it for about a year before I did. And she had also been bedridden. She'd been injured by an antibiotic. And um, <gasps> that's, and, yeah. I mean, I've had tons of friends now and I have people ask me all the time. So many people that I've seen it change their lives, you know, and the fact that we already are able to use it for COVID just a couple of years ago, <clears throat> Medicare, is mm-hmm. really amazing because a lot of people are feeling so helpless dealing with mm-hmm. that the after effects you know do you know the mind valley um uh website oh, yeah. hello I, right i love right. Michael McCartney. like i would give anything to meet him i know i've thought about it my best friend and i have thought about like my my oldest friend well yeah she's older than me so no <laughs> but anyway um <laughs> about like going and meeting him and taking you know a week because, like, I think you could do what he did with his life. I really think that you are a leader and that people would follow you because you have an amazing personality, an amazing zest for life. 
right now? Well, I mean, I every day. The number of times that <laughs> I've I, heard about you. Tweeted something bad or I was having a bad day. And the best advice always came from you. Always, like without fail. So. Okay, get ready for get ready for the Reeny looking for Megan. Help me out of this <laughs> tweet. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know. I know Neil knows my you know my pat tagline that we always use that you can turn any rock bottom moment into a launching pad, not a docking station. You know? Oh, I That's love that. Rise again came from. So now I go I all over the country, traveling, taking pictures with my arms up in the air. We can always I remember that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he said you guys had just taken a trip and that you were you had just come back and that you had mountain, you were yeah. like in the mountains and it, you were like raising your arm. Wedding anniversary, right? Just happened. Fifteenth wedding anniversary, I believe. Yeah. From the first wedding or the second? The first one. <laughs> I was gonna say you look like you're twenty five, so <laughs> I don't think getting married at ten is like <laughs> good to imagine. But where'd you guys go, if I may ask? We went up to uh, Payson to have like, a little, you know, retreat. Aww. Yeah. Those are the best. I'd rather just, yeah, I'd rather Eight just go up to the mountains. Well. Mm -hmm. I'd rather go up to the mountains and shut the door and just stay in and, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. not, not, not do the whole people thing. Yeah, you know, like get, a, get away just us without the kids very often. So that was a real special treat. To just I know, I know. I mean, every it. vacation my husband and I've been on is with our kids. And I'm like, now that they're growing, can we like maybe go somewhere or something? But you know, um, so, um, so what's next for you? What's next is um, I wrote, I finished the book and had it edited and everything. And I've been working on getting a literary agent. That's the first step. And then the literary agent goes and gets you the book deal. And so um, that's kind of where I've, I'm at. And we've had, I've had a lot of interest in it. I have one agent that's reading it right now. That's really interested. And she sent me like that dream email. Every writer always wants to get where she was like, your love story, telling this story about the opioid crisis is just so powerful. And it, perfect I, timing. I read that. Yeah. <laughs> like perfect timing right now. Perfect I, timing. Yeah. yeah. And I with mean, that, you know, 97,000 people have died, I think, in about six, seven months of 2020 from the opioid epidemic, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's gone up by 40% versus the year before. And see, see, these new laws are supposed to stop that. And for some reason, it's getting worse. Yeah. That's what I don't understand. Yeah, it's just, you know, I think that the pandemic has definitely worsened. Bingo. And bingo. Health, you know, yeah. Bingo, yeah. bingo, bingo. Yeah, because that's what Dr. Edrick said last week, that his, yeah. um, his, his practice has doubled since the pandemic. Yeah. And he is a uh, addiction specialist. Addiction specialist. Thank you, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> He's the other half of my brain when I when I do <laughs> these. But I'm telling you what, guys. After the show, we are all going outside in our different areas, and we're going to ask the universe for that deal on your book because yeah. I, I know it's going to be a bestseller. And first Signed copies, please, when it does come out. Oh, yes. <laughs> just for this podcast. We, we, Neil, yeah. so we 
been promoting You have been one of my biggest cheerleaders, you know, and there's <clears> been <throat> so many times where I've fallen <clears throat> down by all of this. And when you reply and, and remind me that maybe something I've said is actually making a difference for you, it, it that gives me more fuel and fire to keep going than anything. And I, I that's why I wanted to come do this with you today, because you have just been such a champion and a cheerleader. And I am so incredibly lucky to have had you in my corner all these years. I, I concur Likewise. because yeah, he's lifted me up on days that I didn't want to get out of bed, you know? So Neil, okay. Oh, I think I'm clapping by myself, but no, there she goes. <laughs> <laughs> we do have fun. Our producer Monday Abu, who's watching this. He's probably yeah know, our producer. Yeah, <laughs> he's a great guy. Thank he's you, a I great agree. guy. Yeah, yeah. So your book is called One More Time. Chances. Forty-seven chances. Mm -hmm. Um, and hopefully they can find it Literary somewhere agents, soon. Yeah, publishing companies, all of you, take note, please, because this book should have came out yesterday. <laughs> yeah, year, exactly. Yeah. But I, I really honestly believe the universe has a plan for you and this thing is going to take off Just because I'm buying 47 copies and giving it to everybody I know for Christmas. <laughs> our other friend, um, our other friend, Monica, she wrote a poetry book. So now everybody's getting two books for Christmas. So, oh, will it be ready by Christmas? It probably won't be though, huh? I know it really is. You really think it's going to just go fast. And it's like, do I have to watch that clock a little longer? You know, well, next Christmas, birthdays. Coming out of the pandemic, you know, whenever that does happen here, you know, well, that's going to be when people really need it because everybody's going to be needing to rise again from something. Would you do us a huge favor and come back? when the book is released absolutely I will. because i mean this has really been such i don't even know the words like i mean you just are an amazing person and i just feel such a connection with you you know and what you've been through you know and i'm just so happy for you that you've come out on the other end of it and now let your journey go to the moon because if I, you deserve it more than anybody I think I've ever met. Oh, yeah. So, Definitely. you know, really, I mean, yeah, I thank you, Neil, for introducing me to this incredible woman, you know, incredible. Thank you. I feel like, you know, if you can help one other person out there, well, you've helped me you've helped me you know so someone get me out of my bed <laughs> <laughs> anyway Megan you are a joy thank you yeah. for coming on thank you so much oh and, and social media tags yeah In oh yeah audience, where people can find you and where they can follow your work and all of that so they can join the Rise Again community on Twitter. Where I have, there's 20,000 other people there joining Neil and I. 
um, just at Megan Aronson on Twitter, um, at Megan Aronson 777, Lucky Sevens on Instagram. Uh, that. <laughs> just meganaronson.com is my Rise Again website. And Would you spell your last name for it's everybody? A-R-O-N-S-O-N. Just like it sounds. If you follow me on... including the links in the description yes, of this video. Yes. All of those links are going to be there. Rise Again. We're going we're gonna to name the, the uh, title of this podcast, this show today. Yeah, we, we got to Rise Again. Right? Yeah. The, the title of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. 47 chances to rise again. Right. I always say anything that we ever wanted came on the other side of forgiveness was 47 chances. Well, you took a you took a black canvas and you made a beautiful family. You painted a just a gorgeous, stunning painting. And I'm just so happy for you. I really am. Thank you. I could, I'll just, I'll just go on. You'll just, <laughs> Abu, honey, you're going to be <laughs> editing because I'm going to go on. With this. I know he'll be like, oh God, there she goes again. <laughs> no, seriously though, you really have, you're an inspiration. You're a beautiful soul. And I wish you the best of luck with the book and your family. Tell Corey and the kids hi. And we enjoyed having you and we're having you back. Yeah. Okay. Maybe three or four times. Who knows? <laughs> I have a feeling other podcasts are going to steal you, though. So <laughs> oh, yeah. I can see that happening. Yeah. You, right? You could just yeah. remember your cool. first. <laughs> okay, kiddo. Thank you, right. sweetie. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you both of you so much. We'll 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 catch up. We'll catch up with you on Twitter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Bye, guys. Thanks, right. Meg. Bye. Bye. Have a great day. You too. Thank you, everyone, for watching. And thank you, Megan, for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at all the links listed in this description. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe to this channel so you never miss an episode. And if you want to show us a little extra love, we also have a link for donations. Thank you, everyone, once again. And we will see you next week right here at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Goodbye. Goodbye.